Oh my god. Welcome to Kevin's Oblast Radio. That's right, we haven't done one in quite a long time. And I shouldn't say we, because it's me. And I haven't done one in a very long time. You're actually, uh, background music is Korn's new one. I didn't even know what it sounded like. I actually just threw it on. See what it sounds like? I guess it's okay. It's a little weird. Um, but uh, yeah, have been missing. One of the problems I had uh, recently with uh, doing the radio shows was the fact that my sound card inside the PC that I built was never actually very good, and it basically uh, quit out on me. It, you know, when I built this thing, it came with a uh, built-in soundboard onto the motherboard, and it was always uh, over you know, overpowered because it didn't have like a preamp in it. So I had to like uh, power it from my hardware soundboard that I have in order to drive it. And so that always meant that like I was always pushing like uh, a lot of volume into the, uh, into the sound card. And it caused a lot of hiccups and problems because, uh, you know, there would be sort of like a lot of uh, weird volume issues. Like for instance, when I record myself, uh, when I was like, you know, talking to the guys, I had to actually keep my volume level, you know, on one to 100, I had to keep it at a three, which is like really quiet. Uh, they could hear me okay, but it was just one of these things because I was driving their audio very loudly into the soundboard that my audio, because it was coming out of, a, you know, the microphone port rather than where theirs comes from, which is over Skype, you know, there was just a problem there in the balancing. It just didn't really work very good. But to be fair, I had it since 2007, so, you know, to actually get about four years out of something that didn't work so well to begin with, I was pretty happy with it overall. I mean, you know, I didn't have to buy anything. So, you know, I made a, a rather large purchase to replace it. I got a, um, like a $200 uh, Sonus sound card, which, uh, all discrete audio and has really good inputs and uh, has like, you know, a dedicated headphone port that it drives itself, you don't have to amp it up, and it has, um, you know, this cool separation, very clear audio and all this sort of stuff. Probably won't matter in the realm of the podcast that we do for you guys. Like, ultimately, you know, when you listen to the show, you probably won't hear a lot of, you know, difference in the audio quality because it's MP3, you know, we're compressing it down and sending it out there and all this sort of stuff, but... We should, anyway, not have that weird problem where, like, everybody goes, Kevin, what happened to you? Your audio got all weird and blah, 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 because that was one of the problems that mine, when it was overdriven, would cause. So, um, yeah. So that was, anyway, a problem, and one of the things I had to do was uh, get the money together in order to uh, take care of that. Uh, the, um, let's see, let's see what else I can play here in the background. What's new? Da-da. Do we want to hear the new Evanescence? I don't think so. Alice Cooper has a new album. I heard that. Eh, it's okay. I mean, Alice Cooper, like, every time I, like, read interviews about Alice Cooper, like, Alice Cooper, like, always talks about Alice Cooper. Like, he always just, like, anytime you say, Hey, Alice, what do you think of these ten songs on these ten different albums and stuff? He'll be like, you know what? This sounds like a song we did back in when we were, or, or he'll say something like, you know, well, these guys are trying to be like us. And it's like, all right, dude, I mean... We know who you are. You, you're already a legend. You don't really need to keep, you know, beating a dead horse, man. Just, you know, relax. But he's old. He's an old man. I don't even know how old Alice Cooper is anymore. Was he like 75 or something? So, not long. Not long for life, you know. It's amazing how some of these guys, like, even live this long. Him, Ozzy, all that sort of stuff. You just kind of sit there and scratch your head like, maybe I should do drugs. Apparently it worked for them. 
I should just do it, be creative, create rock and roll albums. No, nah, it's too late for me. Um, you can't do that shit when you're 40. It's like you start doing drugs now, you just fall over dead. Limp Biscuit. No. No. What is good on here, man? Da, 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 da. I know it's not like Don Anderson now, right? Doing on a show. Yeah, I got to talk about my New York trip, too. I went to New York, hung out with Don, Jedi, Akuma, all that. Talk about that in a second. Oh, here. We'll listen to Arch Enemy. So, um, so yeah, so that was one problem. Another problem I've been having is that I have been, you know, doing the stuff for Spill, and that's been more organized lately. We have, uh, basically multiple recording times every week. Unlike VGN, where we would kind of do a show once a week, and that's basically how we did it, um, with Spill, we'll record three, four, sometimes five shows a week. And uh, we'll do a lot of them back-to-back, and a lot of things are small or segmented. But uh, generally on Tuesdays we'll do a show, sometimes Thursdays we'll do a show. These are in the evening after I get home from work. And then Sunday's a big recording day. Typically, we'll start recording at about 3.30 my time. It's Eastern time. I own Eastern time. That's why I call it my time. And uh, we'll probably run that until around 6, 6.30 or 7. And, you know, I so I've been talking for like, you know, three, three and a half hours doing that show. And I, I get to the point where like normally when we record on Sundays, I start to think, you know, do I want to now talk for another like three hours, you know, doing VGN. Get that hour, you know, together with everybody and then the two hours of recording. And it's a lot, man. It's, it's just a lot to do. And... Beyond all that, you know, of course, I, you know, I have to try to fit in all of my regular life stuff, and I have a number of projects that I'm working on on the side. I've got this um, consulting stuff going on that's all actually kind of ramped up uh, in the past few weeks, which it was really kind of stale and dormant for a while, and then uh, because everybody was kind of making decisions and looking at budgeting and all this sort of stuff, and they didn't know what they wanted to do, and uh, surprisingly, like. Three of the projects that I work on in my spare time all, like, like ramped up. And, uh, you know, basically, you know, hey, we need you to do all this work. Ah, so, um, you know, I've been concentrating a lot on that. And then, um, which I may talk about in future episodes as I, like, uncover some of this stuff. Right now, it's all just kicking off, and so I don't really have too much to say about it. Um, but there's some interesting projects that I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be, uh, taking like a network that's inside one building and extending it across a street to another building using like wireless bridging and then, uh, bridging it back. So it goes underneath a building. Uh, should be kind of cool. Uh, there's like a, a, a big website project where there's like an online store and a, um, an inventory accounting management system and they want to synchronize their inventory management from one, you know, the one system into the online store and back and forth and create orders and all this sort of stuff. That's the second project that's um, actually for the same customer. Uh, there's like ordering in um, a phone system to have people come in and um, put in a new phone system, you know, for an office, basically. Uh, not like your regular phone, but like a whole PBX or whatever they call them today. Uh, to bring that into their system, so their other location has this sort of thing going on, and then um, some various miscellaneous tasks, some new PC purchases and that kind of stuff. So I'm helping all of them with that. That's one customer I have, and the other one's like a website design. This guy from IBM came in, some retired guy from IBM, 
and he started to um, uh, take control of this one particular project, and he started to spec it all out. But um, you know, they they were go- kind of going in a direction that originally this website design that we had had this map feature. Basically, it was a bunch of uh, schools on a map. And then, you know, it was like the map of the United States. So you could click on a state, and it would zoom in on the state, and it would show all of these pins that you could click on where a school was, and it would tell you different things about the school, etc. I'm just sort of um, making it sound sort of generic. But that was like a flash map. We paid, like, a lot of money for that, and we, you know, you know, injected this database into it and built it to our specifications and... You know, I'm supposed to, like, lay this down, but I needed more information about it. And, you know, when I made these requests for information, like, over a year ago, like, I never got the information back. They were always too busy. They were always training people. They never had time to actually get me information. And every time I tried to go down a different avenue of asking questions, like, I need information for this or I need information for that, I wasn't getting that information back. And, um... So anyway, they brought this guy from IBM in, you know, to sort of manage this project at the top level to sort of get me the things that I need. And he, you know, looked at the website, uh, taking the information from everybody and and sort of came up with this new website design, which I'm not really a fan of, but I kind of understand his, you know, he wanted to go for something like very simple, you know, essentially making the front page like the menu structure. So like you can see all the menu items right on the front page and it has some graphics on it, but for the most part, it's just a bunch of boxes with different menus and all of the sub menus on the front page. Because his idea was is that you have the least amount of clicks possible to find what you need. Which is cool, you know, but it, it's also kind of makes me think like it's old guy type stuff. Like, you know, old men are very impatient and so they get to the point where they're just, you know, um, they just want to get to where they're going and they don't care about aesthetic. And, yeah, you know, that's different than the guy that like, you know, comes to the website out of the blue and looks at it and goes, boy, this looks like shit. I'm going to go somewhere else, you know. It doesn't have that air of of cool professional looks. No, like most websites don't anyway, but so that so that was one issue and then the other issue was the fact that he um he got rid of the map and he got rid of the, this rotating um graphic that we were using to <coughs> help another website that they had built sell their services to the people that came to this website. It's a it's a complicated thing their whole plan. So I you know responded I said, "Well, this you know, I don't no, this is so great. You know, you've got, they also added some Facebook and Twitter stuff to this page that are, it's totally like the embedded stuff and it's a different color and it looks horrible. And I'm like, I don't know if this is the best way to go. I said, but are we not going to do the map? Are we not going to do the advertising and stuff like that? So it's been a few weeks now and I haven't had any responses back. Yeah, that's just the way this project works. So the, um, there's my phone, sorry. People want to talk to me. So, um, that project's kind of on hiatus, and then I got another project for an insurance company that has a few things that they've requested, and they they, they like say things like, uh, "Hey, we need to get this Lloyd's of London uh, color scheme uh, implemented into this into this website," and you know, okay, what's the Lloyd's of London color scheme? I you know I don't know what the hell you're even talking about, and it's one of those things I ask those questions, and there's no traction on it, so. That's fine, but, like, all of these things have been asked for, and, you know, typical, like, developer nightmare, everything will come back at once. Like, as soon as I start going down the avenue of working on one thing, all of it will happen, and all of it will be, you know, needed to be done before, like, the end of the month or something, and uh, that's when I'll just, like, probably join a commune, 
become a nun. No, um, and then my regular job, you know, as I've talked about on episodes past, you know, I'm a manager now, and I had to hire two people. We brought this one guy in, and he's been working out really good, and I have to recently hire um, a second guy in order to have him take over reporting duties, and he's going to be starting in about mid-month, but there's been a lot of, um, you know, back and forth with that whole project because we've got some bigger customers asking for some pretty major changes. We have these people in South Africa asking for um, a, a rather interesting. They have these different locations that run our shredding software, and they want to synchronize uh, all of the data between cities into a central repository and then allow customers to go to a website and run reports on the centralized data that's there, which, you know, if you're a developer and you're listening to this, you're probably thinking, well, that's, you could just do that with SQL replication or Microsoft messaging or something. Um, but the problem is, is that our software is still pretty old. It's still written in Fox Pro. So to synchronize data, we don't have the ability to work through SQL. You know, these are all flat tables at the file level. So, you know, we're going to have to write services and things. And we had to talk to them about this and triggers and tables and all this sort of fun stuff. So um, that's been a project that, uh, you know, we're kicking off here soon. And then we had a customer in Uganda who wants to run our software as well. But he, um, I guess they speak Portuguese there. And they wanted to know if, you know, our software would work with Portuguese. And we have this sort of bolted-on translation package, which isn't the best. I mean, our application was never designed initially back in, you know, the late 90s when we first started doing it to be, you know, supportive of international localization, language, and all that sort of stuff. And we've had problems with it in the past. You know, if you have... So our bolt-on package kind of works, but because we've never really used it or deployed it, we're running into some problems looking at it and everything, so... I don't know where that's going to go. I don't know. That sounds like it could be a disaster waiting to happen, but we're going to see how that figures itself out. Um, and then uh, we have another huge potential customer. It's like an oil... Well, it's a company that works for oil and gas companies where they come up with uh, like topographical maps and put them all into a uh, you know boxes and storage and all this sort of stuff and um, they're interested in our software, but they already have their own web-enabled front-end that they use to manage everything, but they need a more, you know, the warehouse side of things. They need this all to integrate into it, so they want to know how, you know, they can, you know, set up their particular system to talk to our system in order for it to work, and so we're talking about quotes and all this sort of stuff to get that done. So... You know, you take all of that, and then the fact that I have to play, like, video games in order to review them for Spill, you know, because that's what we do, and um, uh, and I have a house, and I have to mow the lawn, or rake the leaves, and, uh, you know, vacuum, and do the dishes, and all that fun stuff. I have no time in my life. I have no time for nothing. I am the fucking busiest guy you'll ever know. Um, but it's okay, uh, you know, because the end goal here is to make as much money as possible. I don't have to work all these jobs, obviously, I could just work one job, and then, you know, buy less toys, do less things, and uh, I don't want to, so I work my ass off, and I'm sure that, like, you know, in a few years or something, I'll probably, you know, start to, you know, take some of this down a bit, and uh, just concentrate on the one job, and, and try and enjoy my life, I just want to sort of knock out 
um, some things. You know, I still don't have furniture for the most part of my house. I have a chair and I have a couch in my rec room, but for the main part of the main floor, um, I have nothing. You know, I don't even know I have like a real bed. I have like a giant air mattress. Um, so uh, yeah, there's a lot of um, taking. You know, working on all these things and sort of get myself situated. But anyway, <clears throat> that's what's been going on. That's what's been going on there. So, New York. Yeah, basically, um, you know, I was going to go out to New York because uh, I'd never been there, but also because I wanted to meet up with Corey Coleman. Um, he goes out there every month because that's where the, uh, the headquarters are, whatever, for the company that owns Hollywood.com and Spill.com and everything. It, it, it's it's a fairly interesting thing. See, a lot of times, if you listen to Spill at all, which most of you probably don't because you guys are all like that, but if you do, a lot of times they talk about how Hollywood.com pays them and Hollywood.com you know, calls the shots and all this sort of stuff. But in truth, Hollywood.com doesn't actually own um, Spill. Uh, there's, a, there's actually a family or something that is in New York and they were the people that apparently used to own the Sci-Fi Channel, I guess. And they um, uh, are the people that buy the properties. And they buy other properties, too. They don't own just these. Um, but what they did, you know, initially is that they bought Hollywood.com. And Hollywood.com has, like, a programmer. And it has, like, a, a, I guess a building and a structure and all this sort of stuff. And so when they bought Spill... They said, you know, you guys will, you know, we want to bring you, you know, into this whole thing so that, you know, you have one developer working on all these websites, etc. You know, it's, you keep it all organized. You don't want to have all these, dis, you know, different things and spreading it all out. So, you know, for the most part, when Corey goes to New York, he talks to the actual owners and the people that own all of these um, these properties because Spill is its own, its own entity and Hollywood.com is, you know, the ones who manage the, um, the the assets, let's say. So, you know, it, it's something along those lines. It It's always difficult to get clear information about how it works and everything out of Corey because sometimes I wonder if he even knows exactly what he's doing. But, um, yeah, no, but for the most part, that's, that's the breakdown on it. And so um, there's been some... Uh, changes over there and things, and and uh, because the um, Hollywood.com basically doesn't really want to manage spill. I mean, they they're kind of doing their own thing and working on their own stuff, and their programmers busy doing their own stuff. And they basically told Corey, you know, you guys, you know, can set your own destiny and go forward and do what do what you need to do, you know. But um, so there's some changes going on in terms of how things are organized and structured. Corey's had to take on a lot more um, responsibility because he has to manage it now versus before when, you know, they allowed Hollywood to manage it. So, anyway, um, we, you know, have been talking back and forth about some things and I figured, well, maybe I'll go out to New York and I'll meet up with them and stuff like that and just, you know, because I never actually met him face-to-face -face and uh, just didn't kind of hang out. And did you know that he's black? No, I knew that. I'm just kidding. Um, so, <laughs> so uh, no, um, we... Uh, so I was going to go out there and I, um, you know, and I, I had kicked around the idea of like, um, you know, uh, taking somebody with me, but I didn't end up wanting to go with a girl in general because I felt that, um, 
I, I kind of went out there with a mission. Like, I, I, there were certain things I wanted to do. I wanted to go to Comic-Con. I wanted to hang out with Jedi. I wanted to hang out with Akuma. I wanted to hang out with Corey. And um, I wanted to uh, see some specific things in New York City, if I could. And I didn't really want to bring somebody who would be like, can we go here? Can we go shopping? Can we go look at this? Can we stop at this person? And I just, you know, girls... They're, you know, you guys are like, you could just tell them. Like, if you're hanging out with dudes, you're like, this is what we're going to do today. And dudes would be like, yeah, cool. All right, let's let's do it, you know? And if they don't want to do it, like, if a guy doesn't want to do what you're doing, like, if you say, hey, we're going to go, like, to Central Park today. And the dude might be like, all right, well, I'm going to go to this place, you know? And you'd be like, all right, we'll catch up later. That's that's how guys work, you know? Very, you, I'm doing this. If you want to do it, you can do it too. And if you don't want to do it, you can go there. Girls are always, you know, you got to do things all together. You know, there's no way, like, a girl's going to be like, well, while you're doing Central Park, I'm going to go here. That never happens. You got to all do it together and crap. So, uh, you know, it's like, eh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with it. You know, I mean, it's, it's cool, but I just... Not really, and plus I'm not in that situation, like, I don't really want any drama in my life right now. I'm too busy for it. So, um, so I ended up, you know, uh, kicking it around, and I thought, well, I could bring Corber or Anderson, you know, probably. I mean, I didn't ask Corber, but I figured, you know, he's only got that part-time job at Mark's. I'm sure he could swing the four days off. Anderson was a little bit, you know, more of a question mark, because he's got, you know, Sophie, his daughter, on opposite weekends, but he had actually like posted up on Facebook at one point that he was interested in going, uh, and I wasn't sure if he was just kind of joking or whatever he was doing, but I said, well, you know, I'll ask him first because he does need to get out. You know, Corber's been flying back and forth to Florida and everything, so as much as he complains about um, being stuck where he is, um, he Anderson's been in a much worse situation. So, you know, I told Donnie, I said, listen, man, I got... I got a hotel room, you know, we can get like, two beds, you don't have to pay anything for that. I said, I'm driving there anyway, so you don't have to give me any money for gas or anything. Uh, just, you know, get your own food, and you'll have to pay your own, like, you know, subway or train fare and stuff. And he was like, cool, you know, I was, he was down for it. And so, um, I told Jedi, I said, yeah, we're going to be coming out there and all this sort of stuff. And then I guess Jedi, like, I'm not quite sure. He, he, it doesn't seem like he had like a real serious plan because basically the first day he was going out there he didn't have a place to stay and the second day didn't really work out for him to have a place to stay either and I think that probably he could have you know figured that out I mean the guy's not an invalid or anything it's just that he just didn't have a, he didn't have a solid of a plan I guess going out there he kind of winged it um, so, you know, I said, yeah, dude, you can, you know, you can stay with us. I said, it's only two beds. You're gonna have to sleep on the floor or whatever. And he's like, you know, that's cool. And so, um, I was like, whatever, you know, it's, we're in Queens because Akuma found this place in Queens, which, now look, I live in Cleveland. Okay. And are outside of it. I mean, I'm in a suburb, but I, I've been, I've worked downtown. I've lived downtown. I, I mean, I know bad neighborhoods and all this sort of stuff. I mean, we have some bad neighborhoods in Cleveland. So, 
you know, I, I kind of sat there and, you know, was like, um, I, I got into this neighborhood and I was like, um, it was pretty, um, it, it was pretty, it, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. It wasn't ghetto, but it wasn't like the, the best place. Um, you know, like at nighttime, if you were by yourself walking down this particular street, I could see you getting mugged. I mean, I just, you know, I could totally see that happening. Um, because it's just, it's shady, man. So, um, yeah, anyway. But, you know, for me, for Don Anderson and stuff, it's like, we don't care. I mean, whatever. I, you know, I, it doesn't matter. I, you know, if somebody's going to take a gun and point it at me and ask me for the $15 I have in my wallet, then I guess he's going to have the $15 that are in my wallet, and maybe I'll get shot. I don't know. It's just a different thing. It just doesn't bother me. I mean, at one point, Jedi and I walked to the convenience store and everything, and um, you know, whatever, in the middle of the night, it was kind of, it was kind of creepy, but it was cool, but I, but I think if you were, like, um, coming from, like, a really nice neighborhood, and you never actually, like, had city life or anything, and you were, like, in this neighborhood, you'd be, like, I need to go stay someplace else, but whatever, actually, it was not so bad, so we stayed at the Howard Johnson's, and, um, Jedi shows up, and, you know, Jedi's a big dude, like, he works out all the time, you know, um, he's, uh, you know, looks like um, he could probably uh, fight in the in the uh, in the octagon. No, I don't know. No, he's a nice guy. You know, everybody's already heard of him, talked to him, and everything. And you know, he's about what you expect. Didn't drop anything crazy on us or anything. You know, nothing weird happened. Um, just you know, the regular dude that we talk to all the time. So you know, it was a good time hanging out with him. Um, he's. Uh, He's all right, you know. There's nothing really to say about him. I mean, he didn't do anything strange or anything. I know everyone wants to like crazy story, like what did Jedi do, uh, you know? But uh, nothing really. Um, not, nobody really did much. Now, to be fair, on this whole trip, I got like the the cold from hell, which of course is you know typical when you're going to go on vacation. You have to catch a really nasty cold, and I was drugged up to the winds to uh, sort of battle this thing. I um you know, was taking all kinds of stuff, but I still had to carry around, like, a lot of Kleenex, and constantly was walking off to blow my nose, and I was just in, like, a drugged-out sort of stupor. Like, in the evening time on the first day, when we first got there, we met Jedi, Akuma met up with us and his fiance and Slick, and uh, we all went to um, uh, Famous Dave's and had, you know, some barbecue, which was really good. I know Famous Dave's is a chain, and what, what are you doing in New York? You're going to a chain and all this stuff, but whatever, man. It was great to hang out with our friends, and, you know, we haven't seen these people, and it was a good time seeing everybody, and, um, you know, but I, I had to get up multiple times and just go to the bathroom to blow my nose, you know, because it just, you know, I was sick. I mean, I was just sick. So, you know, I'm, I may not have had the best impression on people. I did my best to uh, try and... Um, you know, be the Kevin Baird that everybody hears on the radio and everything, but, I mean, the truth is is that the entire time I was just out of it, you know, um, which sort of sucks, but I still had fun. So, you know, the first day we went um, uh, to Comic-Con, which was pretty cool. Really, Comic-Con is so big, right, that, um, you know, we went to the Batman panel, and later in the evening we saw that Jay and Silent Bob thing, but, you know, for the most part, it's so big that by the time you, like, walk just through it, just, like, walk from, like, one section to the next section, just kind of, just casually looking at things, and, and by, you know, you get to the front door again, it's over. I mean, it's like it's time to go home, you know? You kind of have to go in there with, like, a set 
bunch of stuff to do because you're going to be taking pictures and walking through it and it's just your whole day is just going to be burned out in no time granted i didn't have to sit in the batman panel um but still it's not like uh it's not like you there's like rides or anything anyway it's not like just you know whole lots of stuff to do there i mean most of it is show and tell um you're just looking at stuff i mean there you can wait in lines to play a few video games that are there um, if you want and, and that kind of thing, but you know, most of it is just about looking at stuff and seeing things and it's really a good time. If you get an opportunity to go, it's totally worth going at least for one day. And I would probably suggest going on the Friday of the show because it's less crowded. Saturday was completely sold out. We did not go, but it was completely sold out unlike Friday. And, um, you know, so if you really want to see everything and all that sort of stuff. But, you know, of course, if you want to see everybody's outfits, you want to see more outfits than what we saw, which was a lot, and it, uh, probably Saturday because the people that are off from work are going to be there and it gets probably even crazier. But it was a good time, man. You know, it was a, it was a lot of fun, and it did rain on our way out. Jedi was like, you want to go to Times Square? But it was late, and it was raining because the Kevin Smith thing, like, for some stupid reason, it took, like, two hours to wait in line to get into the Kevin Smith thing, even though we had tickets. They totally, like hosed it up. I don't know whose fault it was. Kevin Smith said it wasn't his fault, but whatever the case may be, um, it was horrible, and we had to, like, just sit on the concrete floor. They, like, moved us into a parking garage. Like, we were in line, then, like, like for 40 minutes, and then they, like, moved us into this, like, cement, like, parking garage thing, and they left us there for almost an hour, and, um, we were just like, what the fuck is going on, you know, and, uh, and then they let us all in, and it was um, it was really disorganized. I don't recommend doing it. Um, although the show really funny, really funny, great time. Uh, I just wish it was better organized with how they were handling seat assignments um, because it was pretty lame. They, you know, I don't know like how they do these general admission things where they just kind of like everybody wanders in. I, I really can't be that hard to take the extra hour to print out a bunch of unique numbers and assign them the seats and assign people a unique number so you don't have to do this weird general admission lineup thing. Um, but that's just how they did it, man. So anyway, yeah. So we didn't end up doing that. We went back and I crashed because I was sick and I can't really handle this. And, you know, Anderson doesn't want to spend a ton of money because he's not, you know, he didn't bring all that much money. Um, so, you know, we ended up going back. And then uh, Saturday, uh, I wanted to go to the um, the 99er riot or whatever the heck you want to call it, gathering in um, New York, and um, we went down there, and I was having a good time, man, I was, you know, there was all this kind of, you know, stuff going on, and, you know, I felt it, I, I really wanted to kind of hang out there, and um, just be kind of part of that moment in history right there, I mean, you can talk about it's lame and all this sort of stuff, I mean, I don't care, I, I mainly was there, I was, I was giddy about being there, man, because it was just like, you know, it, it's like, it, it's something that's like in the news, you know, it's like it happens. I live in Cleveland, okay, nothing happens here. I mean, it's very rare, I mean, that anything happens. It's usually bad, it's usually about somebody eating people, okay? It's not really a place where we're ever, you know, in something that is going to be in a history book at some point anyway, you know? There's nothing that goes on here. So, uh, the fact that I could be at something and in something that was, um now and happening and, and all this sort of stuff was really cool. You know, it was just cool and, and uh, to just witness it and see it and, and all this. But 
It was surrounded by police officers, and Anderson just did not want to be there because it was surrounded by cops. He probably had some some weed on him or something, and probably was sitting in his head thinking, if I get, if this thing gets like, you know, we all get loaded up into a car and I get caught with this, then I'm done. He never said that to me. I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying that's probably what was going through his head, and he did not feel comfortable, so he basically wanted to get out of there as fast as possible. So we stayed about 30 minutes or so. And to be fair to that whole situation, uh, we had like stopped and got an ice cream, and about 20 minutes later, um, about 70 of those guys got arrested. Uh, but they had begun to march, and you know, I, I probably they didn't have a permit to march, and so the police just said, "Hey, arrest all you guys." And so, you know, could have been a different story. Anderson could be in New York right now in jail, and um, I could be a political activist waving a flag in a park somewhere. I have no idea. It, it didn't happen though. So, um, yeah. So after that, we. Um, you know, we tried to walk to Central Park, and it didn't work. We did see a part of Ground Zero, but we didn't walk around to the memorial side because that's on the southern side, and um, we were more looking for the, the, the Zuccotti Park and everything. So we ended up trying to walk to Central Park. And, um, you know, in Cleveland, if you were, like, say, in the middle of Public Square, which is the central part of um, Cleveland, and you were to say to yourself, let's walk to, like, I don't know, East... 30th Street, okay, which would be like 30 blocks. You might say, well, that's pretty far, but we could do it, you know. New York is big. I mean, I know it's big. I know it's big. Um, but, I mean, I looked at a map, and I saw where Central Park was, which was central, and I saw where we were, which was at the northern part of the southern part of um, Manhattan, and I was like, well, this looks walkable. That was wrong. Okay, I was wrong. It is, New York is big, man. I mean, it's just like block after block after block after block, you know, and there's just like all kinds of stuff. You're like on a road, and then it turned into like this weird Mexican festival in the middle of the road, and then it turned into this like bazaar, and there was guys selling purses, and, and it was just, it just kept going, you know, and um, and the other thing is that like, um, you know, on TV, you see like, if you've never been there, on TV, you see a lot of this like, you know, that it's crowded, Right. And of course, you go in there and you expect that it's crowded, and, and it's true. You know, it, there's a lot of people there, and um, everybody's walking up and down the street and everything. And the thing that sort of like um, uh, I thought about all of this wasn't the, wasn't so much the fact that like um, it was like crowded, like you would be at a mall and there would be a lot of people. Because when you're at a mall and you're you're surrounded by a lot of people, you kind of say to yourself, "Well, let's just go. Let's go to the car." Or let's go, you know, out of here. Let's get out of this crowd. You know, let's go out here and, you know, let's get out. There's really no place in New York to do that. Uh, you know, you're like, there's there's always somebody like within about five feet of you wherever you go. I mean, if they're, they may be through a wall or, you know, they may be upstairs or downstairs. But everywhere you go, it just seems like there's somebody at least five feet away from you all the time. You know, if you go down the subway, there's people. If you go on the train, there's people. If you're walking, like, through Queens, there's people. I mean, there's just people, like, everywhere all the time. Which makes the crime thing diminish as well. Because it's like, there's so many people around. Like, if you're just, like, aware of what's going on, it, it, the crime thing, you know, I wasn't, like, really worried about going down some crazy alleyway and getting mugged. Because if I was going down some crazy alleyway... Odds were there was, like, 50 other people going down that crazy alleyway as, too. It's just really crowded. Uh, the other thing that's interesting about it is that, like, 
you know, again, in Cleveland, we have, you know, uh, you have neighborhoods, and you have, you know, it's a city and everything, and you see people that are um, basically supposed, you know, supposed to be where they are. Like, if I go outside my house right now in my neighborhood, I'm going to see a bunch of my neighbors mowing lawns and chopping down tree branches and raking leaves and all this sort of stuff, you know, and if I go downtown, I'll see, you know, people in business suits or hot dog vendors and I'll see, you know, maybe sports fans and I'll see bums and that kind of thing. And, um, you know, in New York, you see everyone. It's just like, I, it would not be weird to be going down the street and being like, okay, bum, supermodel, Santa Claus, um, street vendor, uh, businessman, lunatic, um, kid with iPod, uh, school teacher. I, I, I mean, it's just like, it's crazy, really. I mean, you're just like, every, it's just the, the outfits and things are like so weird and out of place, too. Like, you'll, it'll be kind of cold out and stuff, and you'll just see some girl walk by in like a short skirt and stuff, and she'll look like she's all dressed up to like go to like something at like a, like the opera or something. I don't know. And, and, and you're just going like, this is weird because, you know, over here there's a hobo, and over there there's a guy that's kind of wealthy and, I don't know. It's New York, right? It, they say it's a, a melting pot of diversity, but it is really crowded, uh, you know. And um, I, you know, found it to be very enjoyable because there's always something going on. You know, there's there's always people, and, it, and it's very um, it's very busy and fun. And I I would totally want to go back and um, visit, but I would not want to live there. I I would not want to live there. It is, um, sh- you know. Cleveland isn't the best place on earth to live, but, you know, I've lived in other places, and um, New York is just, it's well-organized, but it's too crowded. It's just, just too crowded, man. It's just too much. I couldn't imagine, like, what lines must be like when something new is going on, you know? Like, if they were like, this one store has, you know, um, the new iPod or something, like the Apple store on Main Street or something, and, you know... The line must just, you know, when you see these pictures, you know, and you do see them, you know, the lines go around the block in places like Tokyo and stuff like that in New York. Now I, I kind of have like this understanding of it all in my head. I'm kind of sitting there in my head and I say, well, yeah, because there's that many people living there. You know, it's just like that line isn't because it's really that popular. That line is there because, you know, the density of people is just that much. And, um, you know, when you live in a place like this, you don't really have those problems, you know. Maybe you have to wait for stuff, and of course, you know, there's cultural and, you know, all those issues. There's, you know, I can't go see Spider-Man on Broadway in Cleveland. But, again, I would totally go visit. I would. But if I had to, like, do this whole, like, living there and commuting back and forth and stuff, man, no way. No wonder people get paid more out there or whatever, because it's it's just, um, it just doesn't seem like the best place to, like, live. I don't know. It's weird. But... It is, a, it is an environment where you could totally um, exist without a car. The winters have to be kind of rough when you got to walk all the time. But, um, you know, the whole train system, very well organized. The subway system, they were working on it, and it is confusing. Um, but uh, we man- Anderson and I managed to figure it out. We only got on one wrong subway at one point. Um, and, and that was because they were working on it, and they had closed routes and things down. Um, but, uh, yeah, so then, um, you know, that, uh, was it, so the last night, uh, we went to, um, after that, we went out and, uh, went to the bar and hung out with, uh, Corey, Corey was trashed, 
I was trash. Anderson had a friend that was there, and um, his name was Corey as well, and he was a nice guy. Um, and uh, talked to him for a while, and then um, we met a lot of the Spilio people, Spill fans, who showed up. Uh, and um, I talked to a few of them and stuff, and uh, you know it was fun. It was a good time. It, you know it was it was cool to get out. Um, but um, you know I didn't get to spend too much time actually talking to Corey. But I, what are we gonna do? You know it's like um, the guy had like a like a bunch of people like surrounding him like all the time. Uh, just wanting to talk to him and stuff because it's that whole movie thing, you know. People always just want to talk about movies, and you know, I'm sure his head just like melts uh, with a lot of it, you know. Um, so whatever, it was it was cool though, and so um, you know, we talked for a while. I mean, we, you know, I say not too long, but I mean, you know, maybe an hour or something like that, you know. But to make a whole trip for just an hour is kind of crappy. I tried to hook up with him, you know, at other points when we were there, but I don't know. The guy was always busy or whatever. He's kind of elusive. So it was just cool, to, you know, to nail him down for like an hour and just kind of hang out and have drinks and all that sort of stuff. So it was a good time. We had a good ride back and everything, and, uh, you know, we had a lot of good laughs. So New York, very cool, very fun. I would definitely go back and do it again. Probably not for an, at least a year. Um, the next thing I'm probably going to end up doing in terms of traveling is go to Austin for the uh, SpillCon. That will probably happen next spring. Um because I didn't do the one last year, but everybody else went. And this year, I think, you know, things will be more established, and I'll probably head out that way to do that. I People ask me all the time, you know, am I going to do E3 this year, next year, whatever. Um, and, you know, the thing is, I'm not, like, like I'm not paying for E3 myself. If uh, Hollywood.com or Spill or the owners of Spill were to say, we want you guys to go to E3 and we're going to pick up the tab and you can go, then I would go. Um, but I'm not going to go on my own dime, because it's just, it's expensive. It's, ex you know, I live, you know, I live here. Los Angeles is not a drive away. Air, air, air travel, you know, round trip is around 500 bucks now, because prices have gone up, and then you got to get a hotel for, like, the three days that you're there, and they're always booked up, and they're expensive at that time, and, you got a cab, and you got food and travel, you know, and you so you're at least spending a thousand dollars to go, and um, and I don't really enjoy it that much because it's while you do see a lot of these new things, it's really not that big of a deal because the stuff you see on G4 is the same stuff I'm seeing when I'm there. You know, it's like you think you see these games and you're going to be like, I'm going to get to play those games that they're showing on G4 when I go to E3. And for the most part, that's not really true. Uh, you know, you get to play a lot of old games, and there are some stuff that you get to play first, but you don't get to actually, you know, spend any time playing them. It's like playing demos of the games, you know? Because there's a guy behind you waiting in line. You don't get to play a full game and sit there. Like, you know, it's not like you own the game and you're going to get to play it for four hours and just hang out there. You know, you just get to play it for like ten minutes and just get a taste of it. And it's just not fun, man. You're, you're just standing and your feet hurt and everything. And, and um, you know, it's loud as hell. So I'm not going to go on to a big E3 rant. But it's just not something that I'm really all that into. I would like to check out some other shows that I've, I haven't been to before, unlike E3. You know, Penny Arcade Expo, Game Developers Conference. I wouldn't mind doing, like, the the Origin show that goes on. Um, you know, a lot of these other shows, just because I haven't been, and I'd like to see some, you know, what other people have going on and um, sort of get some a different perspective on a lot of this. And so maybe that'll happen, but, you know... 
like I said, I've got goals of getting furniture and things in my life and uh, paying off um, a few debts that I have remain that, that are outstanding and um, sort of knock down some things. And i got a lot of work to do, so probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, and then let's see what else. Basically, I'll just wrap it up here. We are going to be, I'm trying to do an interview um, with a guy in Canada. Uh, we're going to knock that one out here sooner or later. It's a little bit difficult because he wants to record like Monday evenings or something like that. And I'm typically like, you know, tired on a Monday to be honest with you. And so, you know, I've had technical issues, but we're going to knock that one out. And I'm going to be then at that point trying to do some interview processes with um, uh, the regular guys from VGN uh, that you all know and love one-on-one to kind of do follow-ups and catch-ups with all of them, see how things are going with them. And I'm um, probably also going to do something with uh, the Spill guys to, um, you know, kind of have an interview process with them and talk to them about what they've got going on. And then, um, you know, get some more interviews in there from all of you and, and all that kind of stuff. So we'll have those. Um, and I'll probably talk more about some technical issues and politics and events and World War II history and all that fun stuff. I've got a lot of new, lot of new stuff to talk about and all of that. Uh, and now that I'm able to record more especially because winter's setting in and I don't have to go outside and mow my lawn every Saturday, which is what I would be doing right now if um, that was, you know, my grass had grown in the past week. So uh, that's happening. It's for VGN. We're going to record one tomorrow, um, which is going to be like, what, the 28th? No, 30th. The 30th and um, uh, of October 2011. And then um, we're going to be doing a Medispective on 80s television shows. Uh, and we have a couple other, um, Midwest Wastelands and many Spective ideas coming up in the not-too-distant future. Uh, VGN itself I'm going to try and do more regularly on Sundays and talk about gaming and, and game stuff in general. Um, you know, the initial thought process that those guys would contact me and let me know that they were ready to review something never really materialized, and to be fair, I haven't done my own standalone reviews because... Like I said before, I do a lot of spill reviews, so there's not a lot of real interest in my uh, head to rehash everything that I've said on the spill reviews. So, um, yeah, I, you know, kind of just going to refocus and do a Sunday show. And whoever shows up for the Sunday show shows up. Uh, I'm going to try, try and make it a little bit more topical and talk about some things and try and do those more regularly on Sunday. I can't say I'm going to do them every Sunday. Uh, because it just depends on what my schedule is, but I'm going to try and be a little bit more regular with them so that um, you guys get usage out of this RSS feed and iPhone and Android apps and all that good stuff. So that's it. Uh, you know, sorry it was just me this time talking about a whole bunch of nonsense. I wish I could um, fill you in on a whole bunch of other things, but I'm looking at the time on this right now. We're already almost 50 minutes in, and it's still kind of a long for a old blast. So. I'm going to end it here. Check out videogamenews.com. Jump in the forum on that website and join us in conversation there. You can also check out the Video Game News Radio Facebook page. Um, just do a search for Video Game News Radio on Facebook and join the one that has like 280 members or whatever. And, um, you know, you can talk to us all in there. And you can find me in there and everything and talk to me on Facebook as well as Twitter, which is twitter.com forward slash VGN Network. And um, Spill.com for the loading bar, which is the other show I do with all of the um, 
you know, video games and a lot of the video game reviews we do on that show. Different crew, but, you know, you still get to hear me and uh, all of that stuff, especially if you want, you know, our take on the reviews themselves. So, that's it. Thanks for listening. Uh, next one will be a little bit more interesting, but, um, you know, you have these on and off. At least we're back doing shows again. So, peace out. Later.